Hello, dear listeners. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Transform Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Zeller. I'm so grateful to have you here today listening to this episode. This episode is by far and away my most vulnerable, open, raw episode to date. And it does contain some pretty charged topics. If you look in the show notes, you will see a trigger warning. I provide that for a reason. And I guess this is the little caveat that I want to, or maybe note, that I want to include at the beginning of this episode, which is, in this episode, I talk a lot about past traumas that I have experienced, secrets that we may keep, things that we hold in shame, and how sometimes even we are unaware that we are denying and ignoring these things. But there's something so magnificently freeing when we acknowledge and speak these things aloud. When we literally allow these stories and our experiences, the things that have happened to us to be spoken aloud, and when we aim to heal them and no longer be hidden in shame, no longer hide parts of ourselves in shame. There's so much liberation and freedom and there's an opening and it's just, I mean, it's beyond comprehension for sure how much of us can be liberated. And not only in this episode do I share this with personal stories, but I also give you several, several stories of other people that I have heard recently that have been so brave and courageous to speak their truth. Now, here's the thing. I'm sharing these stories very publicly. I'm sharing my past dramas and some secrets that I have kept very publicly. In fact, in this episode is a secret and an experience in my life that I have had that I have not shared publicly. And there's also details about other secrets of mine and past dramas and experiences that I've had that I haven't shared in this way publicly before either. My personal journey is to share these stories in a more broader way sometimes from the stage, sometimes from the mic, through the podcast, sometimes one-on-one -on -one with clients or in groups. That's my journey. In this episode, I talk about speaking your truth. And what I am not saying is that you need to own your traumas in a really public way or that you need to share your secrets with everybody. Only do that if you are feeling really called to. And my suggestion prior to doing that is to receive some targeted therapeutic treatment if these secrets are intertwined or having to do with trauma. If we overexpose ourselves prior to actually processing through a trauma, that can actually be very dangerous for us because it can overwhelm us and our senses and it can lead to actually further trauma. My therapist used to say, that a lot of trauma that people get exposed to actually happens following a traumatic event. So there's, let's say, a shock trauma, meaning a sudden event that is very traumatizing. But then it's what happens afterwards that can actually even be more detrimental in some cases. So given an extreme case, let's say that somebody was sexually assaulted or raped. If they go and tell someone and no one believes them, or they have to go somewhere and repeat the story over and over and over again, that actually can be more detrimental in the long term than the event itself, according to my trauma-informed therapist. 
And so we want to be gentle with ourselves, compassionate, really self-aware. And so in this episode, I do challenge you to own your experiences and speak your truth. But I just want to note that in no way am I saying you should do this before you're ready. And in no way am I saying that you need to do this publicly unless you're really feeling called to and unless there's already been some processing. So anytime we have any deep secret that is shrouded in shame or past trauma that hasn't been fully processed, and that when we think about it, it feels deeply triggering and disorienting to us, my advice for everyone is to go find a trauma-informed therapist. Every therapist is likely to tell you that they know how to treat trauma, but not every therapist has received additional training in treating trauma. I'm a big fan of EMDR. That's a targeted therapy to treat trauma. So maybe searching for a therapist that uses the technique EMDR. There's also so many other kinds of techniques. I'm not trying to just say EMDR is the only one, but you really just want to look for a trauma-informed therapist, someone that treats people with trauma often. Now, for a lot of you, you'll listen to this and maybe you don't have a history of significant trauma, but maybe you have some secrets. I feel like everybody has secrets, right? The thing is, is sometimes our secrets keep us sick. I don't know if you've heard the quote, we're only as sick as our secrets. I think that's a common quote in like AA, but I think it's so true. You know, when there's something that we feel like we have to keep a secret, that means there's something that we're ashamed of. And the more we release the shame, the more free and liberated we are in all aspects of our life. Because when we hide a part of us in shame, we're hiding all of us too. You can't selectively numb down. You can't selectively choose to like not feel anger. Okay, I'm just going to numb myself to anger, but I'm going to let myself feel all the joy in the world. No, when we numb ourselves, it's across the board. If you're numbing yourself to something that you're ashamed of so that you don't have to think about it or feel it, you're also numbing yourself to feeling connected to other people and to feeling an inner sense of freedom. Our secrets cut us off from our most authentic self. So I started recording this episode and talking about just how I've seen and heard so many bits of media about telling the truth lately. And I don't think this is an accident, if you will. I think that things seem to come out into the world in synchronistic timing often. And it's caused me to think about the things that I have kept secret. And as I was recording this episode, I got an intuitive pull to share about one of my past secrets, which is a trauma that I had a lot of shame around. Now, I've done a significant amount of therapy and personal work using my workshop Trigger Free after I received the therapy on this particular trauma and this particular secret. So I just want to note that I have processed this to a significant degree. And had I not, I would not have shared it. Okay. With that said, it's not easy. It's not easy to share your secrets. It's not easy to share your past traumas. It's not easy to be exposed, to be vulnerable, to step up and out into your truth. But that is what we are here to do, folks. We are here to be our full, authentic selves and shine brightly. And sometimes that means shining a light on our past experiences that we would rather forget, too. Because in the end, it's all just light. It's all beautiful. It all contributed to who we are today and who we have become, which is beautiful. So I wanted to just add all that in in the beginning and 
this is a this is kind of an intense episode. Just letting you know ahead of time. I think it's a really powerful one. I'm super proud of myself for recording this episode and for releasing it out into the world. And I am excited to share it with you. So without further ado, enjoy this episode of Transform. There's something that has been swirling around in my sort of ethos as of late, and that is telling the truth. Telling the truth. I've just happened upon a lot of different kind of media that talks about this, that shares people's truths. One of them, which I found just so deeply, incredibly moving, was the comedy special by Jared Carmichael called Rathaniel on HBO Max. If you guys haven't checked this out, oh my god, it is so fucking good. It is so tender and beautiful and brave and powerful, and I just cannot, can't recommend it enough. And he reveals a secret in this special. And when I saw this, I thought back to a time about, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe this was seven, six years ago, maybe five, I don't know, some years ago, where I was doing my year of yes. And in this year of yes, I was essentially saying yes to everything that scared me, but I thought could expand me as a person. And the reason I did this is because I felt like my life was getting a little bit stale. I felt like I was not living on the edge of my comfort zone, that I was living somewhat of a mediocre life. I wasn't really lit up and excited about my life, and I needed that to change. So I did this year of yes. It was a challenge that I kind of came up with on my own. And I was just going to say yes during that year to a bunch of things that scared me. And towards the end of that year, I decided to say yes to the thing that scared me the most, probably like my biggest fear at that time, which was to tell my secret on stage to 500 people. Now, this was a secret that didn't need to be a secret. But I made it into a secret. And the reason I made it into a secret was because I had a lot of shame around it. I was holding a lot of shame and a lot of blame and a lot of guilt. And so it was just something that I didn't tell people. Now I'm going to tell you, dear listener, what that secret was right now. And if you've listened to my past episodes, you actually already know it because it's no longer a secret for me. And it's actually not hard for me to talk about any longer. But what that secret was, was that I was in a drinking and driving accident when I was 14. I was not the driver, but I was a passenger and I was drinking. And my best friend was killed in that accident. And I saw her die and I had severe, severe PTSD after that. But the interesting thing about that and what really cloaked this experience and shame was what happened after. So what happened after that? was first of all, because I was 14 and, uh, you know, I was, I was a little bit young for my grade. So the people I was with were mostly 15 and maybe even 16. But regardless, there was this young girl that was drinking. And um, back then, I don't know that this would be a big fucking deal now. Uh, I mean, the wreck obviously would be, but I'm saying a 14-year-old drinking. I don't know. I don't know what that would be like in a lot of families now, but back then it was salacious, especially in the town that I grew up in. And so what happened after that accident was it was just like wildfire of gossip all through the town. 
And everybody wanted to know the particulars of who was drinking and what happened and, you know, what led to the event and all this shit. And that was more important than anything. That was more important than the survivors in the accident. That was more important than the family of my friend who died. That was more important than our feelings and our trauma. That was more important than anything. And, you know, the news got a hold of this. And, you know, to give you an example, I like I went to church after because at the time I was going to church and everybody at the church just wanted to know if I was drinking, like, we'll accept you if you weren't the one that was sinning. We'll accept you if you were just just a victim of this and not contributing by your own drinking. As if my drinking as a 14-year-old girl somehow killed my best friend. But the thing is, is like, that's what got programmed into my head. Because everyone around me was more interested in the details than in if I was okay. On top of that, I got grounded right after this event. Now, I cannot imagine the trauma this was for my parents, and I know it was trauma for each of them in their own separate ways. And I fully want to respect that. And I know that they were trying to do the right thing, and I know that they sought counsel as to what they should do with me. One amazing thing they did with me is they put me into therapy right away. Like, thank God, because I 100% would have died. I mean, I was suicidal after the accident. So had they not put me into therapy, I would not be here talking to you today. Hands fucking down. But another thing they did was they grounded me. Now, you know, if your 14-year-old teenage daughter sneaks out and goes drinking and gets caught, she's going to get grounded, right? And that actually did happen before the accident. The accident was not my first time drinking. Um, I had actually been drinking for several months and smoking weed for several months up until the accident and uh, was actually getting pretty addicted because I was deeply unhappy and I had anxiety and that was making me feel better. So I was really hooked on it. And, you know, then the accident happened. As I said, if your teenage daughter sneaks out and is drinking and gets caught, grounding is a sort of a fine thing, I guess. And they felt, I think, trapped in this sort of juxtaposition of like, okay, she's this horrible thing has just happened at the same time, like we want to let her know that we don't think what she did is okay. So what should we do? And they decided to ground me, but they allowed people to come over to the house. So here's the problem. I had flashbacks, I had severe, severe panic attacks, I had severe, severe insomnia. And then I was on lockdown at my house and not allowed to leave. And on top of that, I got the messaging that this was my fault with the grounding and with literally everybody in town wanting to know every single detail and with some really terrible things that some people said to me, some people really close to me and some people in my family. I essentially felt like that was my fault I had terrible survivor's guilt, and I sort of took it upon my shoulders to try and reconcile this awful event by being perfect in my life and feeling like, well, 
because I was spared, I have to live the perfect life. A few days after the accident, because mind you, I was depressed and anxious prior to the accident itself. And then my only, like the only person in the world that I felt like I could talk to, that I could share my secrets with, that I felt like actually saw me, like the real me in the world and not just who I felt like my parents wanted me to be or who I felt like you know, the school wanted me to be and all the things, she was taken. And it was like, I had no reason to live anymore. I mean, truly, y'all, I was like, what's the fucking point? And I was on my bedroom floor, like a few days, week after the accident. And I started considering how I could kill myself in the bathroom. And I thought about, well, I have this belt, and I think there's, like, the top of the bathroom kind of shower. Like, I, maybe I could hang it off of that, and I could maybe hang myself. And I was just thinking about how I could do it, because the pain was so astronomical. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe, and I felt so deeply isolated and alone. And everybody was gossiping about me. And I was so numb. I mean, I walked around for a few months after the accident thinking I was actually dead because I was so disassociated from my body that I was constantly pinching myself and poking myself and sticking myself, thinking I was going to wake up from a nightmare. Like, no joke. Legit thought I was in a nightmare. Kept thinking, like, this can't be real. And kept trying to wake myself up. Ugh, <sighs> uh, so sitting there on my bathroom floor and thinking about how I'm going to kill myself and I start thinking about how, you know, I I don't have I don't really have an option because if I live I can't do this and so I will have to turn back to drugs and alcohol and I know that I will OD. There was no doubt in my mind. And so I was kind of sitting there thinking, okay, do I OD or do I just do it now and get it over and done with? And in that moment, I had this sudden like energy or wave of something move through me. And it was like, ah, Christy, who was my friend that died, Christy didn't get to choose. And I do. And then it was like in my mind, I saw her and I just knew like she wouldn't want me to just die right now. She would want me to try. She would want me to at least try. And so I sort of made a pact. And at that time, I was Christian. So the construct of the sort of God I was talking to was what you might call the traditional like Christian God. And I said, help me. Please help me. And I kind of made this deal with myself that I was going to give it 30 days to see if I could survive for 30 days. And if it was too hard, then, then I would just go back to drugs and alcohol or I would commit suicide. And the 30 days came. But within that time, I had had an enormous amount of signs and glimpses of peace amongst unbearable suffering and grief that gave me just just enough to keep going. 
And so this is what I did. I just kept going. I kept moving. And slowly and slowly, I began healing. But the thing was, is when I left high school and I went to college, I never spoke of this again. I never told anyone that I was in a car accident. I never told anyone that my best friend was killed. In the 15 years subsequent to that event, the amount of people I probably told I could count on one hand. Cut to my year of yes. During this year, I suddenly get this, what you could call an intuition, that I needed to share this story, that I needed to offload the secret. And, you know, in my mind, I had every reason not to. Like, I had so many excuses, and I was like, why the fuck would I? Like, no one cares. What difference does it make? It's no one's business. It's no one's business. I mean, that was like a big one. You know, a lot of people grew up with an air of secrecy in their home. One thing I'm grateful from my parents for is they were very much like, don't go share your business with everyone. And what that did is it gave me somewhat of a boundary so that I wasn't oversharing all of my personal shit all over the place, completely boundaryless and just like bleh, everywhere. Uh, but unfortunately, it had also like an extreme effect where I felt like it was unsafe to tell anyone anything ever. And so all my family secrets and all the things that have happened to me, I've felt like I can't tell anybody because that's just what got programmed in. So cut to this year of yes, and I'm feeling like I'm supposed to tell some people. This is what my intuition is telling me. But my mind, of course, is saying like, fuck no, don't do that. Uh, but it was my year of yes. So I kind of didn't have an option if I wanted to be in integrity with what I said I was going to do and who I said I was going to be. So I decided to do this. And so I did this at a conference, actually. And I spoke to over 500 people and told them about that night that my best friend was killed. And I gave them details and essentially told them how she died. And then I believe I talked a little bit about shame. And here's the thing. You know, Brene Brown is like the lead researcher on shame. And she says that shame can't survive if it's spoken aloud. In my mind, before I told that story, I thought everybody there was going to blame me, was going to think that I was a horrible person that did this terrible thing. And, you know, I had all sorts of stories about how I was going to be perceived. So much so that at this time, I had spoken in front of hundreds of people before, and I'd spoken, I don't know, at least probably 40 times on stages. So this like wasn't new for me, but I was so nervous about sharing the secret that I was dry heaving in the bathroom just before. I mean, throwing up, but because I was so anxious, I hadn't eaten. So I was just literally dry heaving. I was terrified. I went on stage. I spoke. It was fine. Pretty well received. It's not like, you know, it was amazing. But I did the thing. And then this amazing thing happened, which I've talked about before. I thought that my life was going to settle down because that was towards the end of my year of yes. And I thought, okay, whoa, that was a whirlwind of a ride. I did so many things this last year. I was afraid if I expanded so much, like things are going to settle down. But this crazy thing happens when we tell the truth when we tell the truth about who we are. And that is that it liberates the true you from the inside. 
when I was on that stage, there was a part of me that I had been hiding and repressing and had shrouded in shame that I finally lifted the veil for. And she stepped up and forward. And then it was like everything changed. Truth is not only liberating, but is electric. It is magnetic. It will transform everything in the best ways possible. After that event, I had no fear about anything for at least two to three months. It was like I was fucking fearless. Nothing scared me. Nothing. And within that time, I left my job. I left my marriage. I left where I was living. I left a lot of things. Because when I liberated one truth, suddenly everything else became more clear. Looking back now, having totally transformed my life, and that was truly kind of like the beginning. Looking back, I see that the beginning starts when truth is spoken, because otherwise you're building your life and your identity and everything, your relationships, etc., on a house of cards. And eventually, there's only one thing that can happen with the house of cards. When I think about how much shame I was holding around the accident today, it's bewildering to me. I can't even connect with that version of me that felt so much shame. Granted, I've done a ton of therapy and trauma-focused therapy and EMDR and my own process of trigger-free around so many things surrounding that event. So I've reprogrammed and liberated myself from so, so much of this that I can't even connect with that part of me that felt shame. But I really feel for that part of me because she was so afraid. She was so afraid. I've been thinking a lot about how the truth can not only liberate us, but it liberates others too. When we tell the truth about who we are and what we've experienced, what we've been through, the secrets that we've been keeping, it gives other people permission and courage to do the same. I was recently listening to Terry Crews on Tim Ferriss' podcast, and I'll link all these media suggestions below. But in this very deeply moving and powerful and provocative episode, he talked about his addiction to porn and how he had been lying to himself and to his wife for so long and how when he told the truth, it was the start of everything new and the start of his real liberation and the start of his transformation. And I think especially for men, this can be hard in terms of keeping secrets about porn or like porn addiction or philandering. I really don't like that word, <laughs> but that's the word that popped in. So, you know, there's a fear of what will people think of me, what would happen to my relationship, all the things. But again, you know, my perception of relationships is like, what's the point if it's not real? If it's based on a house of cards or a bunch of lies, what's the point if it's not real? And it's kind of gone to the, to the point in my life where it's like, what's the point of anything if it's not real? What's the point of this podcast if I'm not going to be real with you? What's the point? When we tell the truth also, it liberates those around us. So I was listening to 
another bit of media, which was Elizabeth Gilbert on Glennon Doyle's podcast. It was a part one and part two. And in part one, she talks about how she had fallen in love with her best friend, Raya, and how she knew it for a while, but didn't think there was anything she could do about it because she also loved her husband. But then Raya was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and she knew Raya was going to die, and it got to the point where she felt like she couldn't lie to herself about this any longer. And so she told the truth to Raya and her husband, and she left and took care of Raya and was with Raya until she died. And on this episode, which is very moving, and I so recommend it to all of you, she spoke about how the truth liberates everyone involved, because just like Terry Crews' wife knew what was happening, Elizabeth Gilbert's husband did too. And when we tell the truth to those that we love, instead of gaslighting them and pretending, by the way, gaslighting means that we're lying and we sort of pretend like the other person is crazy or the other person is wrong. We deny the other person's reality because we aren't ready or whatever, willing to tell the truth fully and completely. So we gaslight, we lie to those around us, to those we love. And then it makes them doubt themselves, makes them think they're going crazy. And then we tell the truth and it liberates them. And it gives everyone an opportunity to be who they really are. Telling the truth liberates those around us because we affirm to them that their deep knowings were right. And it liberates us from hiding part of our true self, from hiding ourselves in shame, which need not exist. Anything that we've done can be forgiven, first and foremost, by ourselves. And when we speak our truth, it gives other people permission, again, to do the same. I recently watched the very heavy but like so powerful documentary Phoenix Rising on HBO Max. And Phoenix Rising is Evan Rachel Wood's experience as a survivor of domestic abuse by her partner, Marilyn Manson. And if you guys are like, who's Evan Rachel Wood? She's on Westworld and on so many other films, but she's on Westworld. <laughs> so if you don't, if you haven't watched Westworld, uh, please watch it. She's the lead character on Westworld. She has been in a pursuit of justice for changing the laws to protect victims of sexual violence and abuse and has been someone that's been really important that is sharing why victims of domestic abuse, sexual assault, etc. don't speak out, don't leave, etc. Psychological manipulation is a slow burn. It's like, I don't know if you've ever heard this sort of proverbial, if you throw a frog in boiling water, it'll jump out right away. But if you throw a frog in lukewarm water and then slowly heat it to a boil, it will boil to death. This is what happens when we're in relationships with manipulative people, with narcissists, with unstable people who use very specific techniques to manipulate you. And that really struck me because I've had a lot of experience and been in a lot of relationships with psychologically unsound individuals in my life. Not so much anymore, uh, because I've learned so much about 
these kinds of people and I've learned to spot the signs. But in terms of, you know, narcissist or people with borderline personality disorder, um, you know, this has been a big learning for me. Um, I grew up without boundaries and in a codependent household and home and very enmeshed. And so I didn't know how to have boundaries and I was taught in in certain ways to ignore my own intuition and to trust the people around me more than myself. And I was taught that I couldn't trust myself because when you have certain feelings, thoughts, and emotions, and you speak them out loud and they're not heard or they are mocked or they are belittled by people that you trust and love, you can't help but start to think you're wrong because what's the alternative? There is none. (laughs) You can't think that the people that are supposed to be loving and nurturing you and, and be there for you are wrong because that's dangerous and that's scary. So the safer thing as a child is to think that you're wrong. And so you grow up and you grow up disconnected from your inner voice of wisdom, from your intuition. And I would say the majority of adults, unless you've worked a lot with your intuition, uh, are, are this way, are disconnected from their inner voice, and they have prioritized their thinking mind and their, quote, logic over their inner voice. And this is especially true with women. As women, we have largely been taught that we should be subservient, that we should smile, that it's important for people to like us, that we need to take care of others. And for most men, this was not, this is not true. Most men were not brought up in this way. They were brought up to be somewhat entitled and to know what they want and to go after it. And it's by and large a different case with women. If not even in your home, then most assuredly culturally. And this was the Me Too movement. Women that stayed silent. Why? Because women aren't believed. So we've had to. We've had to stay silent. Because why would we want to re-traumatize ourselves by speaking up? I just watched uh, the, <laughs> the Netflix series, Anatomy of a Scandal. And it's so funny because I was like, oh, this kind of looks whatever. I was sort of prejudging it. And then I saw it's been number one in 78 countries for the last several weeks. And so I was like, all right, uh, let me watch this. And this is this is a case about rape. And... Part of what got brought up in this case is like, why didn't she say no? Like, why didn't she say no more overtly? And there's something in me that was like, really lit on fire about that. Because we as women, and a lot of men too, because a lot of my clients are men, but especially for women, it's really hard to say no. And we're afraid of what's going to happen, especially in a in a situation where you're afraid of actual physical violence or you know, further sexual assault or whatever it may be. There's a potential physical power imbalance happening here or other sort of repercussions. But more than that, it's like we've been groomed to not say no. And largely this is women, but I have to say it's also men because I have so many male clients and I've had friends historically who have a really difficult time setting boundaries and saying no and doing things that they don't actually want to do. But we feel like we have to do them. And it's time. You guys, the world is changing. If you watch Rathaniel, 
you know, on HBO Max, which I mentioned at the start of the episode, this is somebody that is standing up, that is speaking their truth. More and more and more, there are people in the world. I'm just right now listening to Jared Carmichael, who is Rathaniel, on Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert. And he's speaking his truth. And he's talking about how it's sort of like the only thing that matters. And I couldn't agree with him more. The world is changing right now. It's been changing for the last few years. And the direction that we're headed in is you will have a harder and harder time thriving, feeling joy, feeling lit up, alive, and being magnetic in the world if you are not speaking your truth. If you are shrouded in shame, if you are hiding, if you are letting people mistreat you, if you're not able to say no, if you're not able to connect with your intuition, if you're not able to let your intuition out, if you're not speaking your truth and you're not being authentic, and number one, if you're not being truthful with you, with yourself internally, because that's where it begins. It begins inside, but it doesn't end there. We have to also speak it aloud. This is where the collective, the people of the world are headed. We are headed in a direction of more and more truthfulness and honesty. The days of total mystery and celebrity and keeping everything personal in our private lives are gone. If you want to live your life that way, hiding everything about yourself, that's fine. But you will never feel as though you are fully living. I guarantee you. If you are hiding and harboring secrets, if you are not being real with yourself about who you really are and what you need and what you desire and what you want in your life, if you are succumbing to all of the shoulds and the have tos and taking care of everyone else in your life except for you, you will continue suffering. So I want to tell you guys something, and you could call this a secret, uh, but I want to share this because, well, I guess just because I'm feeling compelled to. But part of why I want to share it besides that is because I want to give a, an actual example of how hiding our truth can be so insidious internally to ourselves. So several years ago, I went out with someone to dinner, a man. At the time, I probably would have considered him a friend, maybe more likely a, more accurately, a acquaintance. And at the time we went to dinner to discuss a potential business opportunity or to engage in a working relationship. So that's why we went to dinner together originally. So we went out afterwards. And then the next morning, I woke up essentially in his bed. And I woke up feeling like I was dying, like the worst I've ever felt thought I was dying, super disoriented and confused. Now, I was drinking the night before. Back then I did drink, but I never blacked out. I had never blacked out before. And I had only had like a couple drinks. So it wasn't alcohol. Okay. I woke up in his bed. He was not there. He had left. But I was there. I was very sick. But I had flashes of memories of the night before. I didn't really know what had happened to me. But over the next several hours, essentially, I uncovered that I had been drugged the night before. And then that I had been, well, let's call it violated in certain ways. But I don't actually know 
exactly all the ways that I may have been violated or sexually assaulted or what have you, because I can't remember. At this time, I was in a relationship with someone, and this person was extremely upset that this whole thing had happened. And what I did was I blamed myself. I said to myself, I should have never been out with this other person. I probably should have never been drinking with this other person. And so I blamed myself for the whole thing. And my partner at the time was so upset that I essentially just worked to make him feel better. And my feelings were really cast aside by both him and I. And then time went on. And that was it. I never really thought about it, or at least I didn't think that I thought about it. And I, I wouldn't have even have thought that that was a secret of mine. But then two years ago, I did mushrooms for the first time, like psychedelic mushrooms. And it was my first time doing them. And I had not very many at all, <laughs> but uh, I'm a lightweight. And when I was on the mushrooms, this memory came up of that night. And it started replaying and replaying and replaying. And for several hours on these mushrooms, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And it was like a trauma that just kept replaying and replaying, replaying a trauma of me not having any control or autonomy or ability to choose what happened. And after that trip, it was clear to me that this was trying to surface, that this was trying to come out and it was something that I needed to heal. So I took it into therapy. And I just want to note that, you know, this is a unique situation that I was in because I couldn't remember what happened. And this person I was with swore nothing happened. I remember that a couple things happened. So I know that he was essentially lying when he said nothing happened. So I don't know what all he was lying about. Point being, I don't know what happened. And that was very terrifying to me to feel like I had that little control over what had happened to me, that every time I thought about it, it just completely spun me out. So I went into therapy and I did a lot of EMDR on this and some targeted therapeutic treatments that specifically target trauma. And she helped me work through this. But you know, it's come up in several different ways over the last few years, and I've had to continuously kind of reprocess it and, and let it go. The reason I bring this up today is because before this secret was brought to the fore with the mushrooms, I didn't even realize I was keeping that a secret. But I was. And it was harming me in a lot of ways. It was making me feel deep down like I was lacking control. It was causing distrust in myself, in the people around me, in the world. It was creating a lot of internal turmoil that I didn't even recognize was there. And when I started working through this, a lot came up. And one of the things that came up was I became aware of how I had shoved that down myself. How after this event, first of all, I gave myself no compassion during that time. I blamed myself for someone else drugging me. I mean, what in the actual fuck? But this is what a lot of women do. We blame ourselves for things that we had no control over. 
because that's what we've been taught to do. I didn't assert my boundaries. I didn't trust this person. And yet, and yet I, I still maintain somewhat of a, like a friendly re- relationship with him after this event, which is so deeply inappropriate. But at the time, I didn't know what else to do. I felt like I needed everyone to like me in order for me to be safe. I didn't want to be blamed for what had happened. I didn't want to talk about it. I felt unsafe in even thinking about it. So I just buried it. But when this came up and I was able to start processing through it, it illuminated so much for me. And it's been so deeply cathartic and liberating to completely move through this and own this experience and recognize how fucking important it is to speak our truth, number one, but number two, to know how to honor ourselves and our experiences, to know how to say no, to know how to give ourselves space to feel things, to know how to give ourselves space to be, space to live, space to grieve, like to honor ourselves first, to be real about who we are and what we've experienced and how that's been really fucking hard for us and to not hold it in shame and to not blame ourselves for everything. Gaver Mate, he's done so much research on addiction. He says, ask not why the addiction or why the disease, ask why the pain. Every form of distraction that we engage in, of agents that we use to numb ourselves down or to lift ourselves up, alcohol or weed or cocaine or coffee or any time we we feel like we have to answer that phone call we have to help this person immediately that's an addiction to people pleasing and this is something i'm going to do another episode on because wow i've really realized that codependency and people pleasing is an addiction anytime we do these things it is driven by our pain by our past by unprocessed emotions and experiences and events. And as soon as we can identify those and acknowledge them and heal them, we are free. You guys, we are free. As soon as we can speak our truth, share our secrets, offload the shame, we are free. So I just want to ask you, not because, you know, I want to rock your life or bring things up that you don't want to face, but because I want you to feel as liberated as I do, I want to ask you what has come up as I've been talking throughout this episode? What secrets have you been keeping from yourself or those you love? What needs to breathe in order to set you free? It starts with telling one person that you trust and love sometimes even if that's just a therapist, whoever it may be. But what are you ready to be liberated from? And what parts of you have you been hiding? What parts of you are dying to step up and out and forward so they can finally breathe too? You know, as I said, this is the direction the world is headed in. We're not going to go backwards. The world is headed in a direction of truth. 
of honoring our truth. And you will be ahead of the curve if right now you decide to honor the truth in you. I just want to acknowledge you and thank you so much for listening. This was a this was a big episode where, you know, a lot of shit, a lot of shit, but um man, that's what I'm here to do. That's what I'm here to do. And uh, you know, for me and for you. So be sure to check out the mini recommendations that I've put into the show notes. Reach out to me if you need some help and support. I have several ways that I could support you. And thank you for listening. Thank you.